Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Delta Green Operation Review. I'm Nate, lost in time and space, and I am joined with today. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And today we're going to be taking a look at an operation from Control Group called Sick Again. Sick Again. And it, <laughs> it, it's so fitting for the times, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is one little snippet that we'll get into later that I found amusing uh, reading through yeah. this operation for this review. But before we get into the review itself, we want to warn any players out there that there will be spoilers throughout the rest of the review. So send your handler this way if you're looking to experience this scenario. As always, if you like our content, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. That helps our channel out a lot. Now, Vase, how do yes, sir. How are the handlers introduced into this scenario? So this scenario um, basically has to do with an illness that is spreading very quickly in a town in Arizona. There's a there's a pair of researchers who have been kind of getting into uh, researching time travel, um, and they've stumbled upon something that actually uh, Delta Green and Majestic had been working on in the 1940s and the 1960s. And it's uh, it's this ship actually in real life. This the ship was real really a conspiracy theory, the USS Eldridge, that just disappeared in the middle of the ocean. This huge ship. And um, actually, um, there's a little Easter egg about it in the show Loki. Uh, in the second to last episode of Loki, the ship appears in the middle whoa, whoa, of this. Whoa. We're only spoiling one thing at a time here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're watching that show, it's going to be in there. But anyways, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't spoil more than that. But uh, this USS Eldridge thing is a. Uh, it's kind of a, a famous thing that occurred in real life, but uh, this scenario makes it a part of Delta Green experimentation where they were trying to work on time travel and the USS Eldridge reappears apparently and somehow these researchers find stuff from this, from this time travel uh, experiments and, and run into it because they, by mistake, come across a signal that was sent from Delta Green and Majestic. So they start investigating further and experimenting further, and eventually they break through and actually make a, a connection into the future and by mistake bring in a, a being from the future. It's just a woman, but she's so far ahead in the future that she's kind of evolved. She's very large and she has some strange features, but she's just a normal woman. But the time traveling apparently has uh, something that was unexpected, which is there's these creatures when you're traveling through time, they attach themselves to you and uh, it becomes a very highly infectious disease in a way. And that's what they brought over. They end up getting sick and dying and then the disease spreads very quickly across this town. And, and that's how the investigators get involved. The pre-generated agents or researchers, as they're called in this operation, are members of the CDC who have been brought in through a uh, through an email from an emergency call from Dr. Fitz Strickland, who's one of the physicians at the uh, local hospital in Hudson's Well, Arizona, which is where the scenario takes place. And then they're called into action and they're debriefed once they get there from a local police officer. The important thing to note here is that just like with all the other scenarios in Control Group, this is a the Control Group is a book from Delta from Delta Green that's intended to bring agents into Delta Green. It's not necessarily a book for new players, but it's a book for new agents and kind of creating their backstory of how they ended up uh, running into Delta Green and becoming Delta Green agents. This scenario, when the agents are brought in to investigate this virus and this disease, they don't know what Delta Green is. They're not part of Delta Green. They literally are just CDC employees and CDC researchers. As they said, they're, they're not as a part of the program yet, so they don't have the resources that Delta Green would have either. They don't have access to weapons very easily. They don't have like a, a hotline that they can call when shit hits the fan. So the the researchers are very much on their own in this operation, which is an aspect I really like. 
So when they arrive in town, they'll be quickly debriefed by the police chief who will lead them to the hospital. And from there, they can they can conduct their research pretty much however they wish. But the scenario recommends that you break it up into four hour segments with the players being able to do one or two actions, depending on what they choose to do. And even though it feels a little bit um, mechanical and gamey, I think it works best that way. If you if you don't use that recommendation of breaking it up into four hour segments, it can turn pretty hectic. So I highly recommend that you follow that that uh, recommendation, break up their actions, ask each player, uh, what are you doing for this four hour block? What are you doing for this four hour block? Keeps things consistent, keeps things easy to track, keeps things easy to manage because this scenario gets out of hand very, very quickly. There's a lot going on at once. And it's a sandbox, too. So the agents, yeah. the researchers, I'm going to keep doing that in this whole in this whole review. Um, the researchers <laughs> have a lot of options and they can do whatever they want, kind of whenever they want. So you have to be prepared to let them do that and be able to come up with answers on the fly. So uh, this this operation is definitely going to require some some bookkeeping on your end as the handler. But. But from there, you know, the the agents can do a various amount of activities and the operation lays out um, what they can find, depending on what they do. It goes over calling Dr. Fritz Strickland, who is their emergency contact, who has developed uh, this or has contracted this disease and is by the point when the agents or the researchers arrive, he's going to be probably locked up in his office and feeling pretty ill. So that they have the option to do that. And there's also a few other patients and um, personnel at the hospital that have contracted this unknown disease and are at various stages of development with the disease. And the operation goes into pretty extensive detail on uh, the types of symptoms that the, the various people have, what their stage of development is, when the agents arrive. And it goes over a lot of the mechanical aspects of how this disease affects a player or an NPC. Yeah, each stage provides a different uh, group of symptoms that you can roll a D8, and I highly recommend you do that. You roll eight-sided die to determine what symptom, which symptom they're exhibiting from a certain stage when they reach a certain stage. And so, and you can roll more than one. So, like for example, stage one of the disease, they can have headache, coughing, vomiting, impairment of sensory and motor functions, and so on. And you can have them exhibit one of those symptoms or several of them, but but never really all of them. That would be too much, I think. <laughs> it, yeah, it also it does recommend that you could have them roll like 1d4 or 2d4, depending on their stage of development with with exposure to this unknown disease. Now, what, one thing the operation also pretty quickly lays out is that the agents are allowed to name or kind of come up with a coin term for this unknown disease if they happen to discover uh, a remedy for it yeah and even though it says they can um it's extremely imperative that you do that that you let them name it uh as far as the development of the operation and the twist ending to really give a nice like shock moment at the very end for your players you have to have them name the disease you have to if you run this scenario and you don't have them name the disease it's not going to have anywhere near the impact when they get to the ending of the scenario. And I'll explain why later when we get to that part, but it's extremely important that they do. And um, the scenario makes it so that they're the ones that pretty much get to name it. Like the, the way that it's set up, one of them is going to be tasked with that. The scenario, you mentioned that it's a big sandbox, and that's what makes this one a little bit difficult to run. And I, I definitely don't think it's one that you should run uh, if you're a brand new handler, it's, I ran it. This was the first Delta green scenario I ran and I wish I had a little bit more experience when I did. And I wish my players had a little bit more experience with Delta green when, when we did, it was super fun and my players loved it, but it, it definitely took a lot more work and a lot of, uh, winging it in my case because I was new. So definitely it's something that I recommend is don't run this as your first Delta green scenario. Uh, so, so then, uh, the disease is, um, it goes through three stages, right? So by the end of stage three, people start dying, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And well before then you're dealing with a you know, decent amount of sanity loss, uh, potentially intelligence loss. You suffer through a 
whole slew of terrible symptoms. And if you happen to fumble one of these roles during a stage development, and I'm not really sure what else to call it, but you, you progress through the stages of exposure and yeah, you're you end up dying by by the third stage, which is onset pretty rapidly. So once you contract this disease, you, you don't have much time. Which is which is um, now that you mentioned that something else that I recommend when you run this scenario, don't have the players roll for exposure to it because there's they have to make a luck roll to see if they're if they contract the disease. I don't recommend you expose them to it early, even if they come in contact with people that have it, because it is up to you. It really is up to you. Like you don't have to force them to make their luck rolls right when they go to you know when they first arrive in town. Let's say the 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 researchers can decide to go see the victims that are in in later stages. They can decide to do that early on. And if they do, they're going to be exposed to the disease if they're anywhere near the, the patients, which they will be. And if they contract this early on, there is a chance if they fumble some roles that they can lose their researcher or their agent very early in the scenario. That can lead to a moment of, you know, okay, we need to really hurry up with this and this is really dangerous. But it could also backfire and lead to a player feeling bad that they lost their character so early in the scenario. So I recommend one of two things. Have have several researchers ready so and tell the players that they're going to be losing people and they will be given a new researcher just to pick right up. And luckily, the way the scenario is set up, it, it wouldn't be too hard to have another researcher there that they can then take over. Or the other the other suggestion, which is what I think is the better way to do it, don't have them roll. Don't have them t get the infection that early into it. Make them see other people get sick first and die and go through the stages. Make them see others do that first. And then when they get the first infection, when the first researcher gets an infection, they're going to freak out <laughs> if they've already seen it in others. You know, uh -huh. if it happens to them first, they're not going to freak out as much. But if they see it develop in other people and then they get it later on in the scenario, it's more impactful, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that recommendation. You yeah. got to you got to, you know, kind of slowly reveal the monster before you do the big surprise. So um, this, like you said, uh, it's such a big sandbox in terms of even though the location is contained, the amount of things that they can do. There's so many different avenues that they can take in different orders. It makes it so that um, you'll really need to have one of the agents or several of the agents kind of take the lead on this and then direct others to do it because some people get decision paralysis and then they're going to, they're not going to know what to do. They're going to get frustrated. See, see which agent or which player seems to be more of a leader and have them direct others. Okay. Why don't you go do this? Why don't you guys go do that? Generally in this scenario, it's probably not going to be a good idea for everybody to be doing the same thing at once because you want to double up the efforts. In other words, doing research uh, in your four-hour block is great because you can start learning stuff and you have two people doing that. That's also great. But if you have everybody doing that at the same time, then no one's going to be interviewing the victims and they're going to end up dying because it is a time-sensitive thing. You only have so much time to get information from the victims or from other people that came in contact with them. So uh, make it clear to the players that it's probably a good idea to spread out and uh, everybody handle different you know, a different aspect of the investigation. Mm -hmm. And while most of the operation itself is contained within the uh, Hudson's Wells Catholic Hospital, the the agents are allowed to, you know, go out of town and in view and interview some of the uh, some of the victims, some of the victims, family or friends and kind of learn what they were doing before they contracted the disease. So there is also some footwork that they can do as well, which I appreciated. Uh, I feel like a lot of these sort of introductory scenarios kind of trap the the players arbitrarily. And I think this operation does a good job at kind of, you know, doing that, giving them a focused goal, but also allowing them the freedom to kind of conduct their research how they want. Um, yes, I agree with you, um, but it can also lead to an early discovery of what happened or or them stumbling on something by mistake and advancing the scenario much more quickly than you intended. And it's one of the things with with sandbox scenarios that I always have like an issue with, because even as a even as an experienced handler, sometimes there's nothing you can do about reeling that back a little bit. You know, if someone stumbles onto something 
or gets a lucky break and advances things before you intended it, it can lead to a fairly short session. And, and it, you know, it's unfortunate that that can happen. I wish there was another way, but well, and I'll explain that once we get deeper into the storyline here, but yeah, it's, um, it's a good thing overall, I guess. Yeah, I do think that while there are certainly details that the players can find out early, especially about the nature of uh, the USS Eldridge, um, if they happen to like go through one of the victims apartments, I believe it's the one of the doctors, right? They can go through one of the doctors places early and they can find some yeah. notes about him time traveling. You know, like sure. those details are cool and they certainly help reveal the overarching story. But as far as the the researchers are concerned, getting the disease like solved is their is their main objective. And I think as a handler, that should mm -hmm. be what you stress. So like even if they do find out this information early, you just make the disease more threatening and then have them try to like make some other clue more important than just the background information. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that, I agree with you. The most important thing is containing the disease they're given a list of of things uh of goals that they have in the very beginning of the scenario they're given a list of what they're what they need to accomplish that is that is something you may have to remind them of when they get to if they get too caught up in the backstory and things like that the most important thing is containing the disease saving lives and ensuring that it doesn't spread but yeah, so let's uh, let's kind of go a little bit deeper and detail the events that occur in the scenario. So when the when the uh, researchers arrive, uh, already a spread. There are people in the emergency room. There are already people who have died from this in the hospital, and there are different containment units where people are put in based on their level. So there's three levels, like you mentioned earlier, of development for this disease. And people are contained based on their development level. The players are given a table, which I highly recommend you use. It's like a graph or a chart where you can jot down the names of the people and what stage of development they're at. And looking through this graph can help you determine and find who patient zero is. Having someone analyze this graph and interviewing the victims that are in the emergency room or in the ICU and containment units when they first arrive is extremely important. And that's what I was saying earlier. If the players don't get a chance, if they spend too much time doing other things before interviewing the patients that are on their way to the grave, they might miss the opportunity to interview them and get some important information as to where they were, who they may have contracted their version of the disease from. So this chart is extremely important to give to your players as soon as they arrive so they can know exactly who is in which stage of development and they can go and talk to the ones that are in the later stages first so that they can get some information from them before they pass away. So that chart, I think, is integral to making this run properly. <laughs> Without that chart, and the and the players get to fill it out as people start to develop more and, and more of the disease and such. But and that's fun for some people. My my group loved filling out that chart and seeing the developments exponentially grow <laughs> as the hour blocks passed. Uh, they some of the, my players really enjoyed that. So uh, so they have the option to interview those people. And so let's go ahead and go into a couple of the of the people that um, that are sick when the researchers first get there and what their connections are. So since this outbreak, the the hospital also contacted the the major hospital that's closest by from a, a town called Flagstaff. And they had some personnel from Flagstaff come by and help them out. And some of those uh, people are also there and they've also contracted the disease as well. So the first victim that the operation lines out is uh, their initial contact of Dr. Fitz, uh, Fitz Strickland, who is the he's the senior physician at the hospital. And if the agents or if the researchers uh, talk to him before three o'clock in the afternoon when they arrive, uh, he he kind of sounds afraid and he doesn't he sounds frantic and kind of out of it. And then if they call after three, he's already passed out and he's probably at this point on his way to his grave. <laughs> yep. But if they do manage to talk to him, they can find out some various details. He talks about a local cafe that he stopped by and uh, he spoke to a couple of the the workers there. And he he also mentions something about antivirals and potential quarantine measures and Philippa Jones, who is another victim 
who died at um, 11, 11 a.m. earlier that day. Yeah. So the, the cafe that uh, Strickland talks about is extremely important. The, the patient that is in the third stage of development, the one who's about to die when the researchers get there is Malouf. And he, Ahmad Malouf, he is, he is the, one of the most important people in terms of determining where this came from, because he worked at the cafe and the cafe is the connection to a lot of the patients that are already in later stages of development. So the, the feeling initially is that it's Malouf who infected everybody. And I think the, the players might get that impression initially. Uh, so then uh, they shut the, this, the cafe down and they try to figure out who was, in con- who was in contact with Malouf. But if you have a chance to interview Malouf before he dies, he can kind of give you a little bit more information that there was one guy that seemed a little sickly when when he was working on in the cafe on that day and the and the players can actually go and get surveillance video to see who it is and then maybe show pictures to some of the other patients that were in the cafe because a couple of the other patients can or a couple of the people who had family member that died that were in the cafe can confirm the identity of the person that Malouf is say, says is was sickly and as it turns out, it's one of the researchers that actually were doing the the investigating into the time travel stuff. So you can make the connection that way using the cafe. And it's one of the most important pieces of evidence or information that can tie everything together for you. One other way that the researchers can find out where this came from is uh, there was a family who had some girls who were they were going door to door trying to get money for some kind of like school project or something. They were going door to door and they were greeted by someone who was very, who looked very ill and they can, then they, they also contracted the disease. So they can also narrow down who that was based on uh, which, which area the girls were going door to door. And the researchers can end up following that trail, going door to door in the same housing area where these girls were going and eventually find the house where the researchers are or where the researchers made their, their big discovery. Yeah. They can also find, um, they can also find some useful information if they search the victim's belongings. If they happen to like go through, uh, Cortez's phone, they can find, um, text messages from the researcher that was doing all these initial time travel experiments and kind of like seeing what this affair was all about. And that can be a clue to lead the investigators to to research that person as well. Like you said, all of these clues eventually lead to these two researchers, right? They lead to uh, Kayer and Lang's wheel? Langsville? Langsville. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if they would pronounce it that way if they were American, but... <laughs> anyway, terrible pronunciations aside, yeah. these, two, these two researchers, um, one of them is from Caltech, and another one is... A physics professor who who also worked at Caltech. So that's how they met, and together they they started doing this time travel research. And like Vase alluded to earlier, that's how they they accidentally kind of launched this being from the future into their timeline, and with her brings this unknown disease with her. The the, the things that they can find out through researching these two will depend on various roles. It's strange how they were kind of shunned by the community, by the scientific community, and really what ends up happening is that Delta Green is the one, are the ones that kind of had a hand in that, because she was getting too close, so they they made they turned her into a pariah basically and made her made a mockery of her and nobody took her seriously so she got upset and started doing the research on her own when she lost all her funding and all that stuff she basically became a laughing stock they were doing studies into this ghost particle emissions uh, repetitive pops in space time that were coming and going in, in like predictable interval intervals and uh, that's kind of what led her deeper into looking into this uh, time travel stuff. And you, when you find some notes from her, she finds that there, that when you do some kind of um, travel in time, that you have to close the loop. And then she does this, she draws this diagram, uh, and there's a nice little nod to Doctor Who there in her in her little notes in her diagram because she draws the. She draws the TARDIS, yeah. The TARDIS, that's what it's called. <laughs> the players can kind of put these things together based on her notes but 
I feel like it's still not enough information for them to really know what was going on. But once things develop later on, then I think the players will start to put two and two together. But when they first find the notes, it's going to feel like it makes absolutely no sense. Like what, what does time travel have anything to do with this disease? Even with the, even with the, the notes, uh, I feel like they're sprinkled in with just a few things, you know, mm-hmm. one of the more important notes that they can find is actually a video, an interview with the being that came through when they opened the rift into the, into time. When, when the players, if they start looking into the researchers, they can end up in their apartment. And once they end up in their apartment, they find a bunch of notes, they find a bunch of uh, files, including this video interview of the being that came through, the woman. Uh, and the woman, Thartha, is what her name is. She speaks kind of English, but it's a different version of English, like some kind of uh, dialect, probably from the future as the language evolved is is what I'm assuming that they're implying here. The interview kind of gives a little bit more information as to where she came from and how far ahead in the future she came, you know, she came from. When when the players start finding all these notes and stuff, that maybe they start to put together that this disease was brought from the future. Eventually in the apartment, they run into Thartha. And Thartha does not want any interaction with anyone because she knows that she brought the disease. And she knows that they're going to try and take her out because she is a danger to the current society. So she is well aware of what's going on and she becomes pretty violent if you go anywhere near her. And more than likely, it's going to lead to some kind of confrontation. The The thing with Thartha is she has a tattoo and the tattoo is just like a proof of inoculation against a virus. And this is why it's important for the players to have named the disease themselves. Because then they have more, they have more of a connection to the to the virus itself if they're the ones who named it. And when they find Thartha, she has a tattoo on her bicep with the name of the virus and a date of when she was inoculated. So that's kind of like the twist ending that will really blow your players' minds once once they see this, and it'll put everything together. The notes sprinkle in the the time travel and the future stuff. They sprinkle in all this information. The players will not put two and two together more than likely. But once they see this tattoo on Thartha and they realize that the disease that they named, the name of their disease is tattooed on her, that definitely this woman came from the future. And uh, it is it is the moment in the adventure that just like, Whoa. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, the, it's the big reveal. And as such, it, it does cost a sanity roll for the, for the, yeah. uh, for the researchers. <laughs> but... While all of this is very interesting, it doesn't solve the cure for the disease. So that is still something the agents will have to contend with, depending on when they find Thartha and if they kill her or if they uh, choose to lead her, uh, lead her to the hospital or do something else with her. It It's all kind of dependent on how the researchers choose to handle that situation. Basically, the most important thing they can do to try and end the disease is contain it um, so that it doesn't spread. Uh, They can try and and do different experiments. They're not going to have a whole lot of time to do that. Uh, There is an MRI machine in the hospital. And even though using the MRI can actually cure the disease, uh, they wouldn't know that. And an MRI is not a cure for anything generally, so it's not something that anyone's going to think of. But when we ran it, my players did end up using the MRI on a patient. Oh, jeez. Uh, when you use the MRI, it could cure the disease, but it's so intense on, uh, on the person that it can either lead to them dying or them going absolutely insane. Yeah, my players ended up using it on someone. The person nearly died, came out, the disease advanced, making them crazy, and then they took the gun from the deputy and, and shot three people <laughs> before they were able to tackle the, the person. <laughs> so uh, I don't recommend the MRI <laughs> being the cure. <laughs> I do think it's important that you at least lead the agents, or at least some of the researchers, down the rabbit hole of trying to treat the disease, because I do think that that makes the end delivery of the big reveal with Dartha that much more shocking. Without question, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you, and besides, that's what they were sent there for anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Containment and, and to try and find a way to cure it 
or at least determine where it came from. So yeah, I agree with you. There, there are different ways you can try and treat it. Electricity seems to be the best way. You know, the deputy has a taser. You can try tasering. But again, uh, electricity can cure the disease, but it also is dangerous. It, it's not a foolproof plan. It can also lead to death or the disease advancing further. So electricity being one of the better ways to try and cure it, but also <laughs> a very risky endeavor. The players, so the players also get like containment points uh, when you're playing the scenario, and this will help determine the ending. So as a as a handler, you have to keep track of a few things. You have to keep track of who comes into contact with who, because the players aren't really going to know who's getting the disease or how it's transmitted. It's up to you as a handler. This is why I say it's not a good scenario for a brand new handler, because you're going to have a lot of bookkeeping, like Nate said earlier. You're going to have a ton of bookkeeping. You got to keep track of who comes into contact with who, make secret roles, determine who got it, and have your own chart. So even though the players have their chart of, you know, the developments of the disease, you're you're going to have your own chart because when they're when anyone is infected, they're in different stages. They may not exhibit some of those some of those symptoms, and some of the symptoms that they exhibit may not necessarily be as obvious. So they may be developing and the players may not notice. So this is something you're going to have to constantly keep in mind as you're running this. In addition to handling what the players are doing, anyone that comes into contact with anyone who is already sick, you're going to have to track that and make secret roles. You're also going to be tracking these containment points for the players. There's a lot to keep in mind here. And uh, it is definitely a scenario that's going to require a ton of paper and a ton of uh, bookkeeping and such. How does Delta Green get involved with all this? Because so far it's all just disease and spreading and the researchers. So where does Delta Green come into play here? So Delta Green will eventually send two FBI agents uh, to the Hudson's Well Catholic Hospital to start doing some digging of their own into the into the investigation that the researchers are going on. They're going to poke their nose into any anyone's business and depending on how the researchers handle certain events the fbi agents are going to be much more direct and much more lethal in their methods of approach versus the versus the researchers um, yeah they're they're going to seem a little strange a little off to the researchers because these these people work for the cdc they've had contact with fbi before and and right away your players as or their characters are going to notice that these FBI agents are not necessarily following protocol. <laughs> like you said, I think a little aggressive and a little different. Yeah, they, they take possession of all their records. You know, they, they start doing digging. They they start mouthing off to the medical instruct, uh, the medical staff and kind of like telling them what to do. Um, yeah, they, they very quickly try to assume control of the situation. Like they said, they're very they're very serious and deadly secretive about what their intentions are so they're not going to they're not going to explain themselves they're not going to you know to ask the researchers for help with anything if anything they're gonna get in their way and try to impede on their research they have their own they have their own hazmat suits and they have their own um their own supplies that they keep in a black suv outside the hospital and uh, if necessary they will also take tactical shotguns with them yeah and the if the researchers decide to follow up or kind of investigate the agents and call their superiors and things like that they start running into roadblocks as well mm -hmm. i mean the typical delta green <laughs> the typical delta green mo's you know uh clearly their identities are something that they're trying to keep at low profile so if any researcher starts trying to dig deeper into the agents they're going to come to roadblocks and it's going to seem even more strange to be honest so these agents they are there to contain and as uh, as if you're if you've played delta green before then you kind of know what they're there for they're going to cover everything up and they're there to <laughs> to minimize uh, any exposure to the unnatural. So they they will be extra aggressive if they ever come in contact with Dartha. They will try to kill her right away. Which uh, they, so, which they have the ability to, given that they have giant yeah, shotguns so, with them. <laughs> so let me tell you what happened with <laughs> with my game, dude. The way this ran in my group, man, this was just too much. So the FBI agents show up. Uh, they end up following the researcher secretly. And when they find that apartment of the of the 
people that started all this. The agents show up, right? As they're as the researchers are knocking on the door, the agents show up pushing their weight around. And one of my players is really aggressive. He's a murder hobo in my D&D group. <laughs> and he starts getting in the agent's faces and a scuffle comes, you know, comes about and the agents kind of just bully their way through, kick in the door and go in. And the my players didn't even have a chance to read the notes from the researchers uh, before the Delta Green people arrived because they were so headstrong. They got, they figured it out early, like just by pure coincidence, they went, they went through the lead of the Girl Scout cookies. So the the girls that were knocking door to door, they followed that up. And the minute one of the girls said, oh, yes, yeah, some lady seems sickly. One of my players is like, that's the one. She's the one that started it all. So they figured that out super early in the in the scenario. They go there. The FBI agents show up. They get into a bit of a scuffle. The FBI agents kick the door down. They go into the apartment. Dartha comes out, throws one of my players against the wall. The agents shoot Dartha in the head and kill her right away. Oh <laughs> and, then, and then my players tackle the agents, kill one of them. <laughs> they kill one of the agents and then um, they they beat up the other one and tie her up uh, next to Dartha, who then infects her and then she dies. <laughs> so wow. they literally killed the two Delta <laughs> Green agents. Yeah, yeah, that's how it went down. So, yeah. Needless to say, players always bring unexpected surprises. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make this your first Delta Green game for your group. <laughs> Let your group know what Delta Green is so at least they can, even though it's metagaming, at least they can understand that that's not what they're going to want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I I like the aspect of the FBI agents. I think for more experienced groups with Delta Green... <laughs> That seeing the FBI will definitely throw off a red flag for them. That's going to be like, huh, okay, this is, this something isn't right here. And I I think a lot of players might tail the FBI, you know, kind of see what they're doing and see what they're up to. And I think that as a plot device or a plot MacGuffin, you can certainly use these two FBI agents to great effect. You know, you can, you can use them to kind of lead them to clues that you want the, the players to find. Or you can sort of make the scenario uh, move forward without having to um, kind of force the players into a you know a certain particular path. You can use them definitely to your advantage, so that, that it's good that they're there because of that. And it's a it's a nice tie into Delta Green because later on, the the purpose is later on. Then you can use those agents to try and recruit the researchers into Delta Green, and then that could be the backstory of your of your new Delta Green agent. So this scenario can play out as this is how your your playgroups people became involved with Delta Green. Pretty much as in as in most of the scenarios in this book, that's what the intent is, is the scenario is characters who are not part of Delta Green, never heard of Delta Green, and how they got introduced into Delta Green. Should they survive? <laughs> mm-hmm. Should they survive? I, we we go into a bit of a debriefing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot a lot can happen depending on how they handle this again because it's so open there's just so much that can that can occur at the end and so you want to kind of tally up the containment points that you've been assigning throughout the throughout the scenario and that'll determine the outcome of the disease and how it's spread later as time goes on the researchers themselves they have a lot of options here based on how they handle it too if they if they try to go national and try to get the governor to issue like an emergency it it can have political ramifications so bad things can happen there (laughs) there's just so much that can happen they can uh be fired they can go under uh a uh uh, senate hearing or something you know and basically get uh completely ostracized from the medical community for the handling of this situation if things got really bad. It's there's so many different ways this can play out. And it really honestly, even more ways than it even shows in the debrief here. Because how your players handle this can go so many different ways and it's so open that really a number of different things can occur here. But regardless of of that, the thing that actually will be more specific is how the disease ends up spreading if it ends up spreading and that's completely based on the mechanical element of the containment points. So if the players are able to do well and get a high number of containment points, then they're able to keep a lid on things and 
the, the disease doesn't spread that much and that's where they earn a sanity reward. But if they get if they get a lower amount of containment points, either way, like the disease ends up cropping up in years later, like it'll show up in different parts of the world and it, and it has little blips where it spreads for a little bit and then goes away because it spreads and, and kills people so quickly on its own. It tends to kind of die out. Uh, it kind of just like a big spike and then dies out. And so there's little blips like that every few years that occur around the world. Uh, if they have very few containment points and things get really bad <laughs> around the world uh, every few years or every few months even. Yeah, it can it can get really bad with this with this disease based on how the players handle it. Ultimately, their fates wind up in Delta Green in some fashion, um, yeah. whether whether the agents are alive uh, the two agents that get sent from Delta Green in this operation are still alive or not. Um, it'll either be them or their case handler that will contact them and say, hey, like, we saw what you did out there. You know, you know too much now. You're going to have to come with us, essentially. And how the players react is is outlined, whether they choose to cooperate or not. You can basically put them in the situation where they're going to join delta green whether they like it or <laughs> yeah. not so whether they like it or not because if they don't cooperate then you know delta green has ways <laughs> yeah they, they'll publicly embarrass the the player characters like calling you know basically they'll lose their job their career they're going to be completely destroyed their lives will be destroyed yeah. and they'll be discredited so anything they try to do to expose delta green will make it look like they're just loony and, and they'll get uh they're not going to be able to get that out there even if they try to expose them and, and say that, oh, yeah, there's the secret society or whatever, they're just going to look like fools. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're going to be be... like, you know, the the lizard people of the world, essentially. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's really about it as far as the plot goes. The, the rest of the operation goes into uh, statting out some of the key NPCs that the the agents or the researchers will meet throughout the course of this operation. And then the it gives you some really nice handouts and the uh, the development and research notes sheets that Vase was alluding to earlier that I would also very much recommend you give your players to use. And I would also recommend that handlers fill this out themselves as well with the hidden information that they need to keep things organized because a lot of moving parts in this operation. So why don't we go into what we like about Sick Again? I love the disease portion of it. Uh, there's not any Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu or D&D scenario that I've played that has this kind of aspect to it. And it's it's really cool. Like when my when I was playing this, when I was running this, my players were like, oh, this is like, um, they said the game, um, there's a game, I guess, that's got disease. It's about containing disease. Pandemic? Board game. Pan oh, yeah, Pandemic. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, this is like Pandemic, the RPG. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what Delta Green is, but this scenario definitely feels that way. Uh, and it's handled, that's handled pretty, pretty well the way everything is very meticulously laid out to help you evoke this feeling of this thing spreading and how dangerous it is. And the disease itself is very, very scary. I love the way that can definitely invoke a feeling of dread in people and just fear and just like, oh, especially now that, you know, COVID is a thing. I think people are even more like, oh, wow, this, uh, this is really relevant and this can definitely happen. So I like that aspect of it. The twist at the end was fantastic. I think the twist can really bring a moment of, oh my God, this is awesome, if it's done properly. So if they're able to see the tattoo on Tartha and put two and two together, that can be amazing. Um, and I really like the way uh, it's handled in terms of the researchers come in just to try and handle this outbreak that's clearly out of their out of their range or their purview, and they don't even realize it. They don't realize what they've gotten themselves into. And as the story develops, they start to realize that they're in over their heads. But there's nothing that they can do because they're already in the thick of it. So I really like that aspect of it. Uh, what about you? I like that aspect of it, too. And I like that this uh, operation can serve as a genesis for a long running campaign. As you get your agents involved as CDC covers for Delta Green. And there are a bunch of really awesome operations that involve the CDC with Delta Green. You have operations like Visid, Extremophilia, Last Extremophilia. Equation. Those are all 
scenarios you could easily tie in with this scenario and make for a really interesting kind of research campaign style project, which would be fun. But um, another thing that I like is I like the the handouts. I think that this is one of the better operations as far as handouts go. Uh, they're very well done and they have a lot of nice little details about them that I really enjoyed. And I think that they serve the plot more than detract from it. That's Without one question. That's one criticism we've had of uh, handouts in the past is that once you start hand handing your players like journal entries that are five pages long, they, <laughs> yeah. they tune out and then the game kind of comes to a halt. And these these handouts are short and they're quick and you read them in a couple of minutes and they they're very concise in the information that they lay out, which is, I think, the right way to do a handout. I totally agree with you. I think the handouts are very well done. Even the one that's a little bit longer, the Thartha video, it's a quick read because it's like just almost written like a play in a way. Yeah, it's a script, um, essentially. Yeah, it's script. Yeah. And so it it reads quickly. It's not even though it seems like it's a couple of pages, it's very short in reality. And so it won't take a lot of time. I agree. The handouts are very, very good quality. The usefulness on each one is is there like there none of them are just there just for oh let's just give a handout for the sake of giving a handout like they're all helpful in one way or another uh, i agree with you the handouts are very well done not only are they well done but they're easy to implement like i i think the operation does suggest that you kind of lay them out through the researcher's apartment but i feel like you could easily sprinkle some of these throughout either the cafe like maybe it dropped out of their pocket um, for instance, or or something like that. Um, there's one handout that's like a, a a memo from the EPA about PPE, and you could certainly have that in the hospital. Um, not only are they really well done, but they're also really well implemented within the operation itself. What what I would change, I think there are a couple things for me. The the most important for me is the um, the focus on PPE. So I understand because I did I studied forensics like we we had a, several courses just on PPE and proper use and when to use it and all that stuff. So I get it. But at the same time, even though this is a scenario all about disease and disease spreading, the PPE is all useless. It doesn't protect you from any of it. Right. So I feel like there's too much focus on it. And I know exactly what they were going for. They're, they're trying to get you, your agents to read through all this and to be meticulous about wearing their PPE and all this stuff. But in the end, it's not going to make a difference whether they're using it or not. So I think that it, instead of spending several pages talking about personal protective equipment, it should be like, okay, you guys are highly trained in personal protective equipment. You have a bunch of all this stuff and just briefly break it down. You have this full suit, this, that, and the other, and that's it. And then there's a whole crew, like the cleanup crew afterwards, if you're getting anywhere near the infected people. Mention that early on in the scenario and mention it to your players early on and move on from it. Like, don't don't go too much into PPE. I'm okay with the part where if like a suit tears, you lose some sanity because that would freak you out. Mm -hmm. But other than that, spending that much time and, and some, I, I'm sure some groups are going to have their players like really get meticulous about what equipment they're wearing for every scene that they're going to be doing so every four hour block okay i'm gonna put this suit on and these gloves on and the self-contained breathing apparatus and all this stuff like assume that they're putting on whatever is required for the place where they're going and don't don't harp too much on that because even though you're trying to to provide some kind of red herring all it's going to do is detract from the fun in my in my opinion it's going to make people focus on the wrong thing and then when they realize that it's not going to help in any way they're not going to feel like oh cool you know they're going to feel like duped like oh god so why do you make me go through all this you know yeah so so i think that that folk such a high focus on ppe even though it seems appropriate from from a bird's eye view in practice it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work just kind of briefly mention it assume that they're wearing the, pr the protective equipment necessary for the particular scene that they're going to be at. The other thing I would change, I feel like there weren't enough NPCs that are interesting enough in this one. I wish that there was a little bit more in terms of interesting characters for the players to meet and interact with. And I get that the handler is going to have their hands full doing notes, but as a handler, I have fun running NPCs. That's the most fun I have as a handler is running NPCs. There's not much to play around with here. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> so really wish... have like the two agents because... yeah. 
All of the other NPCs introduced in this operation are likely to either have the disease or get the disease and die. Yeah. Uh, throughout the course <laughs> of the operation. So, yeah, like you said, you already kind of have your hands full, but I would definitely agree that there isn't much for the as far as role playing goes, unless you're sort of into the like you said, that kind of meticulous note keeping and bookkeeping of uh, studying the studying the victims and doing treatments and like researching symptoms and stuff like that. Unless you're unless your players are really into that sort of thing, there isn't a lot of role playing opportunity in this scenario. I would agree with you there. So those are the main things that I see that I think that would change. What about you? I think for me, one of the biggest gripes I had going through this operation was just the way the information is laid out throughout the operation. It feels very scattered amongst all the pages. The operation begins by kind of giving you a brief introduction, and then it immediately goes into the PPE, like Vase was saying. It spends a lot of time going into the P PPE and like decontamination from the PPE. And then like a few pages later, it goes into the scenario background and then it continues to go into the exposure of the disease. And it, it's like all the information is there that you need, but it's also scattered around the pages that it becomes more of a chore to read through and understand than I feel like it really needs to be. I can totally agree with you on that. When I ran this, I read through this scenario three times and took notes and then I printed the you know the handouts and took notes on the handouts. Then I went back and read it. It definitely is one that takes a lot of prepping. <laughs> so you're right. It is it is not laid out in the easiest of ways. There are some Delta Green scenarios where there are charts uh, scattered throughout that help you kind of have a bunch of information that's pertinent all in one place. This is this does feel like it's a little bit all over the place. Yeah, like PX Poker Night, I would I think is a really good example of of a operation that has that sort of detailed information. It has a chart that kind of goes over the hour by hour progress of what happens to the the people on the Air Force Base, which I think this operation really could have used because of the time sensitive nature of the disease itself, it would have been nice to just have that information very clearly laid out instead of kind of it being scattered through amongst various paragraphs and other pages. Another kind of gripe that I have, the naming of the disease itself, while I do think it serves the important narrative purpose that it needs to serve, I do think that at the very least you should have something to identify it with when the players start the scenario. Their case manager should call it something. I wouldn't just say like unknown disease. I would call it like Hudson's Wells syndrome or something along those lines that the players can at least reference it as while they're doing their operation and then let them name it once they get down there and they kind of find some useful information and then have the big reveal at the end with Artha. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know where you're coming from. I don't know that I agree necessarily. It's kind of a tough thing here because although I'm I'm with you on the fact that it's weird that it wouldn't have a name yet once it's already spread. At the same time, if you if you have it be named in one way or another, like you said, the Hudson's Well thing, then the players you risk the players calling it that the rest of the scenario and not bothering naming it with a proper name and just keeping that name. And then and then it's not as impactful. You know, like that. I feel like the naming of the disease is something that has to be done by the player. So they have that connection. Like I came up with that name and this lady has it tattooed on her arm. Hudson's well, you know, like if, it, if, if they already had named it when they get there, I feel like they won't put as much thought into that when they see the tattoo. True. But, true. But I do feel that there are going to be players that name it like poo poo papa disease or something you know they're gonna try to name Without it something question. stupid and and so and, my group did too my group gave it a dumb i can't remember what it was but i remember it was a really stupid name but that's why it made such a big impact because what else could it have been on her arm you know right and it's, i mean like that I get to me it. is, it's just kind of silly in a, in a way that I don't think Delta Green handles very well. Like, I think you could do that in a Call of Cthulhu scenario, for instance, because like you said, that the tone of that game is a little different. But Delta Green is a very gritty game. 
And yeah. when once you kind of introduce that silliness component to it, you're you're kind of dampening the mood a bit, I think. I agree with you. This was our first game. My group had no idea what Delta Green was. They went kicking doors in and murder hoboing everybody and then <laughs> I had to teach them a lesson <laughs> and then then they realized what delta green was afterwards like you know so it was that's why i always when i talk about Del- introducing delta green to your play group if you play like other games that are not call of cthulhu people from call of cthulhu will get it but anyone who plays like D or other stuff and tries to get into this game it's hard because your players are going to be used to killing everything and so that's what happened to us. So the, the only reason they named it something immature was because this was the the mood that they were expecting because of D&D. And mm. it, this should have never been the first scenario we played. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think not all groups are immature like that. You know, not all groups are going to name it Poo Poo Papa or whatever. <laughs> so, True. So, I mean, I... I think it just depends on the group. I think giving them the the power to come up with that is is so important. And I think that most people, once the seriousness of the scenario is in play, I think most people take it seriously enough to name it something serious. Yeah, I, one would hope at the very least. Um, so true. <laughs> but I, I think apart from that, there is really a lot of great stuff going on in this operation it's just it requires a lot of work on the handler to keep things organized and keep this operation running smooth i think more so than any other operation we've reviewed so far this one has so many moving parts you need to keep track of i think this is a really intimidating scenario to run and I'm very surprised that you would choose this as your first one. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy of me, man. I mean, overall, it it didn't go super well. You know, my players it had a great time, but there were a lot of elements that could have been done better if I had more experience with Delta Green when I ran it. So I, again, reiterate, don't run this as your first Delta Green scenario. Do not. This book, in fact, this whole book, Control Group, gives the impression that it's for new players because it's for new agents. So that's a big difference there. This this book control group is meant for, I think, for players who are experienced, who now want to come up with stories of how certain agents were introduced into Delta Green. And that's what these these scenarios are. They're just ways for new agents to be introduced into Delta Green, but definitely not for new players. And a couple of I haven't read through all of the scenarios in this book, but the ones that I've read most definitely all of them are not for new players. I wouldn't recommend a single one for a new player. So I wouldn't buy this book as your first Delta Green book. Go with something else instead, like uh, Night at the Opera is, is better for that. Or or Black Sites, um, I think. Or Black Sites, yeah. Black Sites has some really good intro ones. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Control Group is definitely one of those books that is, I think, intended for more experienced players and handlers because the operations in them are you know they're they're not easy to run like this one for instance is it has so many moving pieces it's going to be difficult and like you said it, it assumes that the players know what delta green is and what delta green is about and you want to create agents with a unique backstory and actually run them through that backstory so this book is great for for invested veteran players i think more than it is for for newer handlers and players and like not to mention, it doesn't really give you all the all the uh, tools that you would have as a Delta Green agent. None of the scenarios here do, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have the connections. You don't really have bonds yet. You don't have a lot of the things that would help you as a Delta Green agent. So as a player, even more so, you know, you'd have to be experienced enough to like know, okay, so this is a limitation now. Whereas a new player, if you read the player's handbook, right, then you'll be like, or the agent's handbook, sorry. You'll be like, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. But then you play the scenarios, your first scenario, you're like, okay, all that's out the window because I don't get any of that. So definitely, I think it's it's intended for more experienced experienced players. I would I would definitely recommend this this scenario though once you are experienced because it's a really fun and cool game. It's it's almost its own game on the side, you know, from from typical Delta Green. If you want something a little different and you've been playing a lot of intense Delta Green scenarios that have to do with more action or the unnatural and stuff. This scenario is taking a step in a different direction 
not a lighter step, definitely not, not a less intense step either. It's just a completely different experience than a typical Delta Green scenario because it's it's such a such a unique concept for Delta Green. It feels almost more paranormal investigation than it does kind of conspiracy, typical kind of Delta Green like fight against the the unnatural sort of operation, which I I do agree is interesting kind of line to go in with um, something like this, because I think it's very easy to to kind of have a scenario outline like this where you have this you have this outbreak and it ends up just kind of being i don't know say it's like a fungal infection from some thing from shubnigarath or it's you know some mind-bending disease from haster and like that becomes kind of a very easy trope whereas this scenario takes it in a completely different direction that i think is interesting and it brings it into like real life conspiracy theory too which is cool any other final thoughts on this uh, on this scenario? No, I would I would definitely recommend this to experienced handlers who are looking for for a different style of Delta Green operation. Um, I think this is a, an operation you could pretty easily interject into an existing campaign if your players are already sort of in that line of work, whether they are CDC agents or. Maybe they work for the EPA or something like that. I think yeah. it'd be pretty easy to to incorporate very um, many occupations into a scenario like this. Like you could have them be like members of the National Guard that get called down to, uh, you know, contain the quarantine and they kind of do their own research from that point or, or something along those lines. So I think that yeah. with enough work, you know, with the right play group that this operation can be a really great time, but does require... I think the most amount of work from the handler I think I've seen in a Delta Green operation to date. There is one that takes a, a lot of work as well, the Star Chamber, but uh, we'll we'll do that one way another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one's really cool though, but uh, I think that does it for this one. So next one that we're going to go through the whole book of Control Group, uh, so we'll we'll review the next one soon as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure chatting with you as always, Vase. As always, I've been your host, Nate, and I was joined with Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And we will see you all in our next review.